Welcome to the New Life Podcast. New Life is a two-campus church located in Harbor City in Norwalk, California. We invite you to join us live each Sunday at 11 a.m. at either of our campuses. Find us at newlifefoursquare.org for more information. In this episode, we continue a cultural conversation with a panel of five women from our Norwalk congregation. Conversation brimming with personal stories and insights key to the theme of femininity. But I, we're here to affirm the stories of women today and the nature of and the beauty of what God has done and is doing in the lives of women. Because the truth of the matter is, regardless of the roles that we fill, and by the way, there are some specific roles that God has called men and women into. But regardless of what that is, we are better together. Am I right? We need each other. God intended us for us to work together. I do need to say something up front because we didn't get to say this last week at Harbor City, but uh, we're going to say it today on both campuses. There is, a, there is an ongoing debate about gender in our society. And there is a very large and growing perspective that is hitting um, most of our society with regard to gender fluidity, that, you know, um, you can actually choose what that is and go in and out, and that there are many types of gender. Listen, I need to be up front with you as your pastor today and say, with all the grace and tenderness of a pastor's heart, that we do not believe in gender fluidity as people who follow Jesus. We don't see any scriptural basis for it. Okay? Now, having said that, that's an ongoing conversation that we welcome from any of you who may be struggling or dealing with such matters. Uh, or like at Harbor City, there was a lady that came to us afterwards when we talked about this and said, what do I do about my son who's young who is, seems to be struggling with gender identity? Okay? So we, we don't want to dismiss those issues as, oh, that's just, we want to say to you, um, even though we stand in the biblical true interpretation of what this issue is, should be, we also do not want to shame you or condemn you or push you away. Understood? We, we want to love on you and struggle with you in, this, in, these, in these matters. And so uh, we, we need you. We want to hear your story. And regardless of the principles that we uphold as a congregation and as a church, trying to follow Jesus and trying to do the Bible, you know, obey God's will, we also understand we, we, we're all struggling as well. So we want to walk with you in that journey. Got it? Oh, got it. Amen. Okay, good. So you're welcome here. You're wanted. You're needed in this church. There is a place for you in the journey. So with that, let me remind you what um, the Bible paints a picture in Proverbs 31 of a woman who fears the Lord. And just to highlight a few things that it says there in Proverbs 31, it says that a woman who fears the Lord, a godly woman, is someone who brings good to those around her, to her world. She works hard. She's incredibly generous, strong, honorable, and check this one out, does not worry about tomorrow. So all of you women who are over-anxious, you know, we pray that the Lord will continue to heal you and deliver you, right? And she has wisdom. She knows what to do at the right time, at the right moment, right? The wisdom for living life. 
That is a woman who fears the Lord. And with that in mind, I want to introduce to you, or I'm going to introduce to you someone who will introduce to you our panel. Uh, she is a woman who fears the Lord. Her name is Nara Jaya Sakura. Where are you, Nara? Are you hiding someplace? Come on out here. There she is. Okay. So we have a panel of four women. Nara is going to introduce them to you. And uh, those of you who don't know Nara, she's an amazing uh, woman in her own right. Uh, single. No, actually, I take that back now. She's taken. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's Facebook official, folks. Um, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to make this about you, your sister. But um, Nara's going to introduce the panel of women we have. And um, they're going to, you're going to hear the stories of these women. And you may resonate or re relate with some of their struggles. Uh, there's a power to the truth as it is brought, not just from a message and a text, because the real story of God is written on our hearts. And so uh, you're going to hear um, the responses of these women and this conversation and be open to what God might be speaking to you through it. At the end of this conversation in this interview process, um, uh, I'm going to call her pastor because that's how she functions. Pastor Nancy, <laughs> Sister Nancy, who's been a pastor for many, many years in this church, pastoring people, is going to come up on stage and she's going to um, close our time with a, an important reflection on godly womanhood. Okay, are you ready for the journey here? Say yes, say for the person next to you, I'm ready. Let's, 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 let's do it. All right, here we go. Nara, it's all yours. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Oh, they're hyped. I'm excited. Um, so I... I'm going to introduce our women. Hello, Carter. <laughs> um, I think something that I've kind of pondered is why, you know, there's always that conversation about um, Eve causing Adam to sin. But something that I heard this week, actually, was that um, they went to Eve first because women have a place of influence. Yeah? Nobody else agrees with me. That's fine. Our women of influence, can you come up? So, mom, don't hate me. They said just say their first names. Um, Bang. <laughs> Sonia. Uh, Carla. You guys all sat in the way back. And Diane. I don't know where she is. She's right there. Come on up. Give them a round of applause. They might be a little bit shy. So we're just going to start this morning by having these women introduce themselves um, and tell us a little bit about um, their role as a woman um, today, now, and kind of their background, kind of how they were raised. Whoever wants to go first, don't all start at once. But Sonia looks ready. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I, I, did, I didn't realize that, but hello, everyone. Am I on? Yeah. Yeah, I'm on. Okay. So yeah, my name is Sonia Lugo. Um, I am an accountant, and I have three children. Um, I have a son, almost ready. I have a beautiful daughter, 27, and a daughter, beautiful daughter, 21. Mm -hmm. um, Jess, go ahead. Whoever's next. I'm Carla. Um, I have a, my son, Dominic, and my husband, Will. I work outside the home, and that's about it. 
<laughs> My name's Diane, Melissa Diane Besiegen. <laughs> and that guy up there is my husband, Ronell. I have two children, ages four and two, well, almost four and two years old. Amelia is almost four, and Luke is two years old. I am an educator, currently working as a substitute teacher, woohoo, and a worship leader, woo. Hi, I'm Bang. Um, my real name is Rosemarie. I wear many hats as a woman. I'm a daughter, a sister, a wife to my husband, Pastor Ron, a mother of one to Christina, 14-year-old. I'm a doctor, a friend, co-worker, name it. So now, um, if any of, can you share uh, what were the roles of women in your family or culture as you grew up? Um, how was femininity? femininity portrayed to you. You don't, yeah, go ahead. In my culture, um, in my culture, women were, make sure they're laying on their backs and they can be used by anyone that steps in. And that's my culture. In my house, that's what I grew up in, that's different. They're housewives. Um, they're all housewives, but other than that, that's their role as a cultural woman to be passed around. What do you think that taught you growing up? Not for me. Not for you? No, not for me. Okay. The role of being passed around was not for me. Mm -hmm. But um, what I see in, in each of my family as, I actually didn't see myself as being married, but which comes to question number two. Go for it. Which is, I grew up in three different homes, which is married, loving, one, my father and stepmother, they were married, loving, a lots of laughter, it was a happy home to be in. My second home, I can't tell, that's my mother. I never existed. And my third home was very abusive, that's the main home where Every day, I get myself ready for, not for me, for, to see my aunt get whipped, color, cursed out, I don't know anything, um, cursed out, uh, dragged all over the floor, and that's what I grew up and see, and I tell myself, that's not for me. So that's my growing up. For me, I grew up with um, my brothers, and I was not let to go to school, and I wanted to go to school. I wanted to be smart. I wanted to learn. Um, and sometimes growing up, I wanted, I was mad at God saying, why did you not make me a boy? That's for me. What did, what did you hear as a response? What happened after that? Um, God had a lot of store for me, and I hoped, and I love shoes, and I love dresses. Um, I've always thought of as a girly girl, but at some point, I was definitely mad at God. And through the years, it took about 15 years after that when um, 
God said to me, you know, I came across that verse that said, you are wonderfully and fearfully made. And it's where I got my response. He made me who I am. He made every bit of my hair, my skin color, my teeth, my big feet, just the way he wanted to make it because he delighted in me. And in Zephaniah says, he delights in you and he sings to you. And I've always told him, Lord, you sing to me. You sing my name and I hear you. I grew up in, oh wait, can we go back to the question? I don't remember the question. Yeah, um, how did your upbringing shape your view of yourself as a woman? Okay. I think I changed questions on you, but we'll just go. That's okay. (laughs) Um, I grew up in the Philippines. I lived there until I was 19 and something. Um, So I, I I went to a private school, went to college there too uh, for part of the way. But um, my family, I grew up in a third generation Christian home. My mom was Christian. Um, So was my dad, of course, he's here. My grandparents were both Christians when they, um, I don't know when they became Christians, but they were already Christians when I I met them. Um, So they, I, I was blessed to have been raised in a sort of a sheltered home. And I think for some that might be a negative term, but for me it was a blessing because I was protected from all um, kinds of, you know, different kinds of abuse, verbal, physical, um, things like, things of that nature was not part of my upbringing. My mother was careful to, um, to make sure that she, she, she really protected us from any kind of abuse. She wanted us to be aware that there are bad people and that they could do bad things to us, but she also made us um, feel prepared that when people can come into our lives who might do bad things, that God is with us to protect us. So uh, the protection was really not mostly from my mom, I think, um, raising us in that way, but I think it was just the blessing of God protecting our family in that way. Um, So I am blessed to have been raised in a really uh, strong Christian family. Although my dad was here and my mom was raising us in the Philippines, uh, when I was five, my dad had to come here to work so that he could give us a better life. We were not rich. My mom also worked, but she worked at the church. She was a musical director, and she was, um, she was a pianist, and she ministered. So that was my upbringing. And I, I think that helped me become the woman that I am now, for sure. Can you tell me a little bit more about how that plays into your ideas of being a godly woman and, uh, and of femininity today? 
I'm just really struggling with the word femininity. I just know, me too. Break. Because <laughs> for me, a woman is a woman, yeah. <laughs> regardless of how he, uh, she dresses, he dresses. Um, it didn't matter if I was wearing pants or I didn't have makeup. I was doing what I was made to do. I, I don't know. That's so not... Um, gender specific but that's just the way I was brought up that I was I didn't have to be a girl to be um, outspoken I didn't have to be a girl to lead I didn't have I just am able to lead so I do I, I can teach so I, I teach I I just do it yeah so what I'm hearing is that um, you were raised in a household that said it didn't matter if you were a boy or a girl. You were given God-given gifts and talents mm -hmm. and a calling, and you have you were just taught to walk in that and not necessarily what... Exactly. Okay. Yes. Great. Auntie Bang. Sorry, we're going to go back to the original question. How did your upbringing shape your view of yourself as a woman? I come from a matriarchal family where the women are dominant and uh, there's a lot of shouting in our family, a lot of fighting, we're seven. And even up until now, with my mom dying, uh, passing away last May, there's a lot of bickering and fighting among us siblings and stuff. And um, with that, I have learned, well, we have been trained to be strong. So I am a very strong-willed woman. And, uh, but that has its drawbacks and setbacks. And um, as a being strong-willed, I get myself in trouble because I get very controlling. And even with my family right now, like I feel that it's a generational curse um, that's been, that I'm trying to break and asking God to break. And uh, so I'm guilty. I'm a kind of feel like I'm a failure as a mom and as a wife and as a person in total. But God is in his in the business of restoring. So I fail, but God never fails. So His teaching me and training me to be humble, to be more prayerful. And being strong-willed is not actually meant for me to, it's not meant for the people around me. What God taught me is that he said in his word, do not, uh, be strong and be courageous and use that strength to fight the real enemy, the devil. And so I fight for my family through prayers and also um, by spending time with God. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think you've all seen from the answers here that um, femininity can look different um, in different cultures. Um, do you ladies always feel feminine? What makes you feel the most feminine or maybe the opposite? Um, if maybe a couple of you can speak on that and why. 
femininity looks different in different cultures. What makes you feel feminine? What makes you feel not feminine? Talk a little bit about that. Well, I always feel feminine okay. or being a woman. Nothing changed about that regardless. Um, I like what Diane said, but we weren't taught to speak when we were younger. We weren't, as girls, we weren't taught to speak up for anything. So when I got old, and I tell myself when I was younger that I won't, that, that I choose, that I don't choose, that I choose, when I make choices in what the situation I see, I decided how I'm going to be as a girl or a woman. And so I made my choice in what kind of wife from seeing the first family, which is my father and stepmother, what kind of wife I'm going to be, what kind of mother I'm going to be or not going to be from the others that I see. So being a feminine, I've always seen, I thought there were one. I didn't see there, there's certain words that we uh, Jamaicans don't know. Uh -huh. Like I didn't know abuse was and I didn't know there was a difference between femininity and woman. So coming here and coming to America and learning the difference, I thought a woman was just a woman, so I choose what woman I want to be. Yeah. So that's my choice. Yeah. yeah. Well, our culture praises men more than they do women. I am Hispanic and we were not allowed to go to school, we were not allowed to do certain things the men are and I just I just knew and I just chose to be a woman and stepped my foot and said you know what my brothers need me and there there was times when I defended my brothers more than they defended me but it was definitely I've always um I I think I'm just gonna answer the question myself, if that's okay. Um, I think sometimes somebody, uh, maybe, uh, I think all women probably deal with the tension between what, um, how delicate um, the idea is of femininity and strength, um, that there's a tension and it seems opposite and it seems like it doesn't, it doesn't really jive in one person. But um, I read somewhere that in the Bible when it talks about meekness, so woman's meekness, or even blessed are the meek, that it's not referring to somebody that just like lets people walk all over them and has a fake humility, but it's actually a reference to um, harnessed strength, where it's reference to channeling the Lord's power and, and working in that in the way that he wants you to. So it's not um, making space for men because they're more important, but it's making space for another man or whatever um, because you understand that the Lord wants you to love them and this is how. And that's a version of harnessed strength. Um, what do you think, I think we're gonna kind of let you talk a little bit more on this question but kind of wrap up with this. Um, what do you think is an area you're still working on growing or developing as a woman in today's culture or what advice would you give about that? Um, and I think we're going to ask everybody to answer this one. <laughs> How about we start with Auntie Bing? All right. So, you know, um, with all the hats I'm wearing, I fail every time. 
But then what God has taught me through the years is that I've gone through so many impossible things that God made possible for me. It took me 20 years to become a citizen. And uh, it took me 13 years to have Christina. And it took me so many years to become a doctor. But in all those, God has been teaching me to be patient, to be, to just put and actually, I'm going through so many, like so many trials and so many problems that I'm going through this wilderness. And God spoke to me in my heart and he said, worship me in the wilderness. And so as we go through, as I go through this wilderness, I learned to just focus on the problem solver, our God and not on the problem. And so I worship him, even in the midst of all the problems, as impossible as they may be. He is in control. And he's grooming me to become a warrior bride, just like he's calling each one of you women to become warrior brides of Christ. By teaching, by learning to spend more time with God, trying to incline our ears to hear his voice, humbling ourselves before him, and just always be joyful at all times, no matter what, because we have a great God. Um, I think God is still... God's working on my ability to steward, steward what I have, steward who I am overseeing, like the students that are in my classroom, steward my family. Um, stewardship is a big thing that he's working on right now uh, in every area of my life. Um, what else can I say? Whatever I want to say, I have the microphone. Um, gosh. Oh, oh, yes, he's working on, he's still working on um, me speaking my husband's love language. Because, <laughs> yeah, with two little ones, he can get neglected. So, yeah, that's, it's all part of stewardship that God wants to work in my life. So, yeah, it. just um, that made me think that um, I think, again, going off of God has given you and I think every one of us different gifts. Um, I think you will probably find that a woman's skill set is going to be different from a man's, um, but he, but God calls us to steward those things and to do that well. Steward your gifts and steward the roles that you are in and the leadership and, and the words that you use and, and the way that you love on other people. Um, do you either of you want to contribute? Well, it's, me is for realizing that I'm loved, that God really loved me, and that through everything that I've been through, 
He Kept Me. That's my favorite song, He Kept Me. I, uh, yeah, he, uh, that's, my, that's my song. And when I realize it, it's like I hold on to it and I know that I'll be okay. And two weeks ago, we get this in our flyer, the one that it, it talks about, it tells us who I am in Christ. This is a good thing to hold on to, put it on your fridge or anywhere you can look at it because it really tells you who you are in Christ. Because sometimes we'll forget who we are in Christ and if we pass by and look at it, it's, it's re refresh your mind to who he is and who, what, what he'll do for us. The promises he has for us, that's also we should read the word and realize the promises that Christ really have for us. Okay, um, any last thoughts, ladies, on anything else that you want to share, anything that the Lord dropped on your heart this week because he knew you'd be up here with a microphone? I want to address question five. Yes. Um, just so you know, they gave us a list of questions, um, and they uh, had a chance to study it. So, yeah, go ahead. Yes, so thought femininity and your role as a woman coexist or are they separate things? And I do believe that um, they coexist, femininity and the role as a woman, especially in my line of work. I heard a lot of times people coming into the office and saying, I don't want her to help me because she's a woman. And I thought to myself, you know what, I can do this and I'm gonna do better. So I studied hard and I excelled in it. And more and more, and more people started coming to me and I am grateful because God gave me the grace before the people. And it opened up the door for many more women. So there is 25 of us now in, my, in our offices. So praise God for that. Oh, um, final thoughts. Something that my mom taught me was that seek God first. I know that's a verse, right? Um, he, she, she obviously got that from the Bible, but she always used to say to us that if you seek him first, everything else just falls into place, and it is true. Um, so I thank God for my mom uh, for being a godly woman and for holding us in prayer all the time. My last, the time for being passive is over. Jesus is coming soon, and we need to start ramping up and becoming really ready for the fight, the real warfare. We need to put on our full armor. We need to start praying hard. We need to start rejoicing. When we start having problems, bring it on, because that is God's way of empowering us, teaching us, and training us in the way that we should go. Praise God. All right, well, thank you very much, ladies, for opening up and sharing a little bit about yourselves that 
most people probably wouldn't have known. Um, I feel like I learned a lot sitting up here listening from you. Um, so thank you. We do have somebody who's going to wrap up for us today, and I think Pastor Ken's going to come up and introduce her, but thank you. Let's give them a round of applause. Yeah. <laughs> She's making her way out here uh, right now, and um, I trust that um, you, you've been, you've been, that what was shared of their stories uh, was meaningful. You want it further? And I just want to share one thought before Nancy closes sure. this up today. That in order for you to be courageous, truly courageous, you need to be vulnerable. And I want to commend all of you women on the panel for your vulnerability today, okay? So let's welcome uh, Nancy Haddad, Sister Nancy, Pastor Nancy, and she is uh, going to share some final thoughts with us. Thank you. Good morning. It's really good to be sharing the Word of God with you again. And a special thank you to each of the panel today. It was a little bit like the United Nations, don't you think? <laughs> and so how do we come to conclusion regarding godly womanhood with so much diversity in our backgrounds? Can a Filipino really agree with a Jamaican? <laughs> how do we bring our ideas together? to live as women and men of God in harmony and unity that Jesus prayed we would have, that they might be one. Perhaps we all, and I'm talking to the men as well as the women, need to take ownership of the fact that many of our ideas of being male or female right or wrong, and what our responsibilities in life should be, might be part of our brokenness. Let me repeat that. Perhaps all of us, men and women alike, need to take ownership of the fact that many of our ideas of being male or female, right or wrong, and what our responsibilities in life should be might be part of our human brokenness. And that we need to submit some or all of our tightest health values to the work of the Holy Spirit who is living in us who have trusted Christ for our salvation. Godliness isn't what we make it but it is in submitting to the conviction of the Spirit who wants to remove the impurity in us that causes disharmony and disunity with in our lives and with others in relationship. The idea of submit is loaded with misunderstanding. It's often used as the negative, such as, oh, I give up or I give in. It's almost oppressive, sort of like bullying one to the other. And it strips us of purpose and self-worth so that inwardly we rebel from that kind of authority. 
Is that what we are asked to do as godly people? Submit comes from two Latin roots. Sub, which means under, like subway or subterranean or substandard. And mit, or it can also be written M-I-S, means to be sent. Emission, emit. And yes, the word missionary. So, submit means we are sent to be under. Under what and sent by whom? As Christ followers, we are challenged by God's spirit to live under his authority in every aspect of our lives. And when we are admonished in Ephesians 5, and we love to quote this chapter, to submit one to another, we're urged to live in mutual respect and love. Submit means this. Stop for a moment. Talk to each other. Listen with an open heart and an open mind. Evaluate the other's contribution and then reevaluate your former idea. It's a new and a better way. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. And people don't settle for anything less. When we're born again, born of the Spirit, we're under a new authority a new father, godly womanhood and manhood as well, depends on how much we are submitting to our heavenly father who has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And now we want a how-to list. How do we accomplish all of that? How do we get from darkness into his marvelous light. And in asking for that how-to list, doesn't it sound like the law? Do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. It's human to want such a tool. But as with the law, we try really hard to keep the list, and we fail. But God has given us a better way. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth come by Jesus Christ. And it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So don't get tangled up again in the yoke of bondage. We're free, free to serve one another in love and to serve our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm yours. I'm available what do you want for me to do today? Women are unique. Made us a solution for men's being alone. The object of God's plan was that women would individually complement man and that they would work together, submitting to one another, helping each other. And then sin entered. 
the picture. And with it, pain and sorrow and oppression and deception and misunderstanding in our own identities as well as in our relationship. And as I prayed about what to leave you with today, a verse came to mind that summarizes the roots of our problems as women and men on this earth as we struggle to live godly lives. It's traditions. It's our idea of position or status. And it's the gender roles that we put on each other, male and female. The verse in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28 states simply, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's unpack, to use Pastor Ken B's words, let's unpack the verse so that we can take away a message that we can use on a daily basis. There is neither Jew nor Greek. How proud we all are of our roots and our traditions, our language, our customs, our foods, what we were taught as children, and what we experienced growing up. And yet, how many of you had any say as to where you were born or what ethnicity you would be? We say things like, this is the way we were brought up, or this is how we always do things. <laughs> what part of being a new creation is that? Once we're born of the Spirit, we're under God's authority, and we follow his word. It's all new. The family of God is the church, and the church is to reflect the redemptive work of Christ's death and resurrection and start the healing process that breaks the power of sin in our lives as we obey. Not just at church on Sunday where we're nice to each other, but seven days a week in our homes and our workplaces too. We are one family, the family of God. Do you resemble the Father? The second point to that verse is, there is neither slave or free. And I look at that as our position in our homes or in society. As the family of God, there's no place for jockeying for position or demanding our rights or lording it over one another. All are loved. All are needed. All are given purpose. And all are expected to live in harmony, working together for the glory of God, who is the Father. If there is an injustice, and there will be, 
We go to the Father, and we let him work it out. The verse says, in everything, let your requests be made known to God. Not just the good things, but the bad things too. And he'll take care. Often in society, and yes, in the church too, we look at profession, position, success, or wealth as a standard for respect. And we hear things like, I'm the breadwinner in this relationship, so I deserve to be treated as such. Or, she's really smart. We should do it that way. Or, Berkeley is a far better school than Cal State Fullerton. I want my kids to go there, okay? You know, very few people are ultimately fulfilled by following a career or even having a family. Unless, ladies, it also involves following the master planner for our lives. Lois, Lois says, sang a song about this last week. And the words were like this. I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside, but you've called me to a higher and deeper place. I'll go where you lead me. I will be yours. I cannot say that a woman's place is in the home or that she should have a career and make lots of money, or that she should raise the kids, or she should have a nutritious hot meal on the table each evening for her hard-working husband. No. God has called us higher and deeper to an individual, unique plan for each one of us. Doesn't the verse say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the rest will be added unto you? If he gives you a professional career, or if he gives you a family to raise, thank him. But also know that it might not be forever. It may be just for a season, and that's why we sing one day at a time, or moment by moment. Our lives must be a daily check-in with God, who is the true master of our souls, to ask for his plan for the day. You don't tell God, I'm sorry, but I have to go to work, God. No time for you this morning. Or... I'm sorry, God, but the kids and husband really need me. No time for you today. He knows. He gave you the job. He gave you the family. Rather, God tells you, go to the workplace and represent me, whether it's the office or the hospital or the kitchen or the laundry room, 
and lift up my name. Listen to my voice as I lead you through the day. And if I change a thing or two in what you wanted or expected to do throughout your day, just follow me. I am the Lord, not you. I'm God who has a plan not to harm you, but to prosper you. A life more abundant than you could ever ask or imagine. Our true freedom is in Christ alone. Make him the cornerstone on which you build. And lastly, our roles as male and female. Men usually have more muscles, but women bear the children. Yes. <laughs> there are certain God-given functions for each gender, but we need each other. And when was the last time you had a good look at the women in the Bible? What about Deborah, Old Testament? She was a wife, and she was a judge in Israel who God called to gather an army to fight the enemy nations around. And she inspired the army commander to lead the troops to victory. Or what about Naaman's little slave girl? who was forcibly taken from her home, but had the courage and the compassion and the conviction to point Naaman, the army general, to a man of God. Or Lydia, in the absence of a church in her city of Philippi, she gathered God-fearing Jews to meet for prayer each Sabbath, by the river, and that's where Paul found her and ultimately wrote the book of Philippians for the group that she had gathered. Or Lois and Eunice, who faithfully taught and modeled, and that's so important, modeling a godly life to their son and grandson, Timothy who was a writer of two of our epistles in the New Testament and a leader in the early church in Ephesus. Ladies, each of you has a special talent from God. Don't minimize it and don't hide it. But give it back to him so that he can use it for his glory and his kingdom. It's your life, but it's also your choice. You can live it under your control, or you can live it under God's control. And he is faithful. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Society might change, but he doesn't. And if we're following him, he is our standard, not culture and not community. 
being a woman isn't our cross to bear. You've heard that. And carrying family responsibility is not a man's cross to bear either. Today is Communion Sunday, so we have been focusing on Christ's death. And as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane the night he was betrayed, his cross was not the cross of wood that he would eventually hang from. But his cross was submitting his will to the will of the Father. Let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Yours be done. And that too, ladies and men, is both our challenge and our fulfillment. Not our own will and rights, but to seek the will of the Father our Heavenly Father, in whose family we claim to be children. He is our peace, our joy, our strength, our song. And God is breaking down the barriers that in times past has separated us one from another. We're a new people. May we live lives to his glory alone. Amen. Ladies, I would ask that you stand with me as a testimony to your desire to submit, resubmit to his leading in your life. Would you do that at this time? And men, would you stand with us in godly support and encouragement? Because that is your spiritual duty as men. And also, to add to that support, commitment in your own life as we grow in the family of God together.